The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this week's edition of Bench with Bubba, let me talk to you about Draft. Draft Draft.com is one of the coolest new ways to play fantasy sports. You get to draft against you know, three, five, ten-man competitions. There's new drafts starting every five minutes. Your chances of winning on draft are over 80% better than on salary cap sites. That's why you need to try draft. No more getting crushed by the pros. More than one million people have already downloaded draft. You can play in real life NBA, NFL. They have NHL. PGA is a great one. They have MLB. They have them all. And it keeps getting better, better, and better. Drafts usually finish in under five minutes. You get paid the next day. The event finishes, but they're fi- and they're filling fast. Every second, drafts are filling. They have them up until your game. Games begin. All new players get a free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit, and you have to use the promo code SD Sports. All one word, SD Sports. That's right. Playing a real money draft for free by using the promo code SD Sports. But it gets even better. Draft is so sure you'll love it that they're even offering a money back guarantee up to $100. Just search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and come play for free right now with promo code SD Sports. Void or prohibited, must be 18 or older. See website for details. Offer must be redeemed within 14 days. Now to this week's edition of Benched with Bubba. everybody to another episode of bench with bubba episode 78 talking more fantasy baseball taking a deeper dive into the outfield tonight talking hot spring starts and some arizona diamondbacks humidor talk in order to do so have another member of the fantasy front office fan front office podcast on the show with us find him on twitter at goldie happens todd how are we doing tonight doing great thanks for having me on thanks for joining me man uh Glad to have you. I've gotten to know some of your guys over there, and I love what you guys do at the Fantasy Front Office. So always excited to have you guys uh, jump on the pod and talk some baseball. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, let's get into it. One of your recent articles, and if people can't figure out by his Twitter handle, 
Goldschmidt happens, that Goldie <laughs> happens. He is kind of a Diamondbacks fan. And if you guys haven't figured out yet, most of the fantasy front office resides in the Arizona area. Um, he wrote an article on the effects of the humidor. He went into a pretty deep dive on pitchers, hitters, and kind of compared it to uh, I, I, the Helton Larry Walker comparisons are really cool. I haven't seen that yet. Um, let's start with the hitters. Kind of what's your take on how the humidor is going to affect things? I think it really depends on the style of the hitter. And I just saw a lot of things lately on Twitter, especially in the fantasy community, about uh, you know a lot of people feeding Goldschmidt to late first round. I've seen some drafts second round even early. Uh, Ritman and Newsbrook. So I really want to dive into kind of have a defense for Goldie, for example. But the main thing I looked at when regarding Goldschmidt was a Todd Heldon comparison because he, his career high in homers was the year before the humidor. And that was the same thing that Paul Goldschmidt had last season of 36 homers. And Heldon saw a huge drop. Uh, he went from 27 homers at Coors Field to 18 the next season, where uh, Larry Walker had 20 in the, humid, uh, the non-humidor season and then 18 in the first humidor season. So Walker didn't see a huge uh, decline that Todd Heldon did. So I was kind of comparing that, and I kind of went over what a potential 25 to 30% drop on home runs at home could have for Goldschmidt. And ultimately, I don't think it makes a big difference for Goldschmidt. He's a guy who I think is going to steal more bases with J.D. Martinez out of the lineup. Uh, before they acquired J.D. Martinez, so the first 92 games of the season – he had 14 of his 19 stolen bases, and I think he could be back over the 20 um, with no JD, no huge elite power bat. And uh, kind of leading to that, while I think Goldie will be fine, I'm worried about Jake Lamb. That's the main guy. Um, he's already a low average guy. He's not going to steal many bases. I think he accidentally stole, I think, four or six last year. Um He's the guy I'm worried about. I think the humidor is really going to affect him. Uh, in 2016, he had 19 homers at Chase Field. Last year, it was a little more even. He had 16 of his 30. But uh, mainly Jake Lamb's the main guy I'm worried about. The rest of the guys, pretty much like Souza, Pollock, uh, Peralta, they have a little bit of speed where you're not banking on the power. But the main guy that I left writing that article worried about was Jake Lamb. Yeah, and that's kind of how I've looked at it most of the time. Goalie's Goldie. He's going to get his, and I, I'm shocked by the way he's dropped in drafts personally. I think you're kind of surprised by it as well. Yeah. Um, where's the lowest you would let Goldie go in a draft? Because before the Humidor's official, he was going third, fourth, sometimes fifth, depending if you know Trey Turner, Aaron Otto. He was in that range, depending on who you were, and I can accept that. But now we're seeing guys out of the first round almost in some draft, 15-team drafts. It's crazy. Yeah, I would I would still keep him in the first half of the draft. And I completely understand, you know, if you don't want to take him in the top four, you know, if you want to uh, take a little bit of safer, because there is a level of unknown with Goldschmidt and Humidor. But I wouldn't let him slip past six or seven. I think that's kind of where I'm at with that. Well, and, and the thing you mentioned is people forget he set a career high in homers last year, and you were drafting him prior to that on his old home run totals, but the steals, and if the steals come back, like you're speculating, and I think it makes a ton of sense, um, it, that's just a tremendous advantage at a first-base position to get uh, stolen base and power and average and yeah. runs and RBIs, five tools all over the place. That's outstanding. Um, Jake Lamb, I agree. I'm a big fan of Jake Lamb, but this isn't looking good. 
Um, and there's potential platoons down the road because he does struggle yeah. versus lefties. Uh, do you foresee yourself having any shares of Lamb? Or if you did, where would you look to take Lamb, roughly? Um, so the interesting thing, the last draft we just did in the um, the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, he fell all the way to 140. And he was emerging as a top 100 pick before the Humidor News broke. Um, for me, I'm still comfortable taking him. I think his ADP is still around 100. I think it's like 110 probably the 120 range. And in the draft, I actually took Adrian Beltre over Jake Lamb just because of there is, there's a floor of Beltre where if Jake Lamb, it, I think it could potentially get kind of ugly just because last year he got a full run of lefties. They weren't afraid to um, leave him out there and he hit 144 against lefties. So especially with Chris Owings allegedly being in the like super utility role, I look at him to get a bats at third sometimes against lefties. And if Jake Lamb, you know, is playing only in 130, 140 games, plus the humidor, there's just a lot of factors that worry me about Jake Lamb. No, and I agree. And I'm glad they gave him that chance. That's always a pet peeve of mine with young players. Like, I'm a, as a Giants guy, it was always Brandon Belt can't hit a lefty. Well, you never know these guys can hit lefties until yeah. you let them do it. Like, we've got to be real about this. Like, a small sample is never going to prove a kid can hit a lefty. We saw it last year, and it wasn't pretty. So, yeah. Maybe he figures it out. Who knows? One part of your article offensively before we go into the pitching side of things, you feel this is going to really increase the steals of the team, which makes a ton of sense. Um, are there any of the Diamondbacks you're kind of looking at later in the draft going, okay, this the steal, the values and steals alone can be tremendous when you're looking for late steals? So we'll get into a little bit later of the outfield talk, but Steven Souza Jr., he's a guy who hit the 30 homers last year. You know, I, he'll probably be more around – mid 20s i don't think he'll hit 30 again but he stole 16 bases and the thing with the Diamondbacks, it's not so much about the humidor but the team philosophy um the manager lavolo he's been very outspoken about how they just want to run more you know they're, they're a team that their bread and butter wants to be really good defense and speed and i just think it's more so the team philosophy uh chris owings is always an exciting guy because you have second base shortstop and outfield eligibility and i wouldn't be shocked to see him at third too so he'd be a good end of the bench guy but um Really, Sousa Jr. is a guy. I really like his value. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll talk pitchers now. And this obviously, if it's hurting the hitters, it's going to help somebody. It should be the pitchers. Yeah. And, you know, Granky's already getting love, as he should. And Ray's getting plenty of love, which he's earned as well. But, you know, Godley, Walker, Corbin, these are guys I do like. And you can they are kind of going up in drafts with the Humidor talk. But just briefly, how do you look at the, the starting five the rotation for the uh, Diamondbacks? I just I think the humidor really helps everyone be kind of a safe bet, more so because um, you know Godley's stats they were both in the threes I believe his away ERA may have been 401 if I remember correctly so he, it just helps stabilize keeps cranking the low threes I think um, Godley could be a three five ERA guy consistently uh, obviously Robbie Ray has really exciting upside he had a 186 or a 166 era on the road last year in the area of four at home and he's a guy who the upside is just ridiculous what robbie rake potentially do this year and he's going at the same spot as zach cranky so i've been really talking about if you're between weight uh robbie ray and cranky you gotta go robbie ray but the main guy who i really like is taylon walker just because he's going so late in drafts and he was another guy where his um away splits were way worse than his home splits last year um 
But one note on Corbin, Corbin actually had a 3-1 ERA at home uh, last season. And then the, his um, his all-star season, he was in the two sixes at home. So last season, he had a 5-2 area on the road. So it's kind of the humidor may not affect him as much as others just because he's really bad on the road. So he's a guy to, you know, don't necessarily group him in as much as you would think uh, Taiwan Walker would be helped by the humidor. But Interesting. No, I like that a lot because um, Godley, yeah, he's getting his love from other stuff. I already mentioned Granky and Ray. But uh, the Walker one's one I always kind of forget about, and then yeah. you, you look into it more. And it, it does make a lot of sense. I was always worried about him because he's a kind of a fly ball guy, and in that ballpark is never a good thing. But uh, the humidor could definitely have an impact on that, so no doubt about it. Um, let's get into some spring training, uh, I guess hot starts, we should say. And we'll start off with Jason Kipnis, who has just been all-worldly around baseball these days. Um I believe he has, if my computer wants to load, this is great, great radio. Um, <laughs> it's basically stopped. So um, he, I know he had like four and four games. I think he's up to like six home runs now. He's hitting at a great pace. Um, what are you looking at, Kipnis? Because you can get him extremely, extremely, if not undrafted in a lot of leagues. Yeah, I absolutely love Jason Kipnis. Um, the main thing is last year is health. I mean, he was banged up the entire year. He had a couple different injuries. Uh, the hamstring was a big one. He's entering the season fully healthy. Um, he's going to have second base and should maybe have outfield eligibility too, which is always great. Um, I think he can return to a 20 home run. Maybe the stolen bases won't be the same just because now he's 30 and he is coming off of lower body injuries, but I really love Jason Kipnis. Most leagues you can get him off free agent uh, in free agency. Actually, in um, kind of my home league with a uh, friend office, uh, Jerry, he uh, we just traded. I traded him Simmons for Kipnis, so we actually got that done last night. Um, nice. I'm really high on Jason Kipnis, so yeah. I like it as a bounce back. My question is, do you think he's gonna? Because there were rumors before spring that he wouldn't be an everyday guy. Are you concerned yeah. about that at all? I think. I'm a little concerned, but I think he'll be fine just because he's seeing a lot of reps in the outfield right now. And obviously that infield's yeah. pretty crowded. And I think mainly it comes with his play. I mean, he simply wasn't that good last year. He was a 230 hitter. Um, lost a lot of just his natural on base percentage stats he's always had. So I think if he plays better, the bats will be there. Yeah, he's the 25th second baseman off the board, according to NFBC, from February 1st, going 251 overall. Uh, his stats are pulled up. On the spring, he's nine or 13 for 25, hitting 520, nine runs scored, six homers, a triple, a double, 12 RBIs. So <laughs> I know spring stats aren't always the end-all, be-all, but that's not bad for a guy that came off a struggling season. Oh, yeah. Uh, Let's talk about a rookie out of the Bronx, and though it's not Gleyber Torres on this one, it's Miguel Andujar, who some say could be the starting third baseman. Others are saying, you know what, we're going to go to, to Torres and move him over there. There's a million different scenarios where he doesn't get to play. But at least he's making it interesting. He's hitting 281 with four jacks, nine RBIs. He's striking out a bit, but that's kind of expected from Miguel Andujar. And he's um, making a, a very intriguing play here to get every day at bats. Currently on the NFBC, I know he's been climbing up the ladders, but he's still going really, really late. 35th third baseman off the board around pick 397. So sometimes not even drafted. What's your thoughts on Miguel Andahar? Well, first off, I love him in a dynasty format. Um, 
I think long-term, he's going to be a really good player. But I'm worried about this year just because Torres is almost ready. I think both of them will come up after the Super 2 cutoff. And then you have uh, Brandon Jury, who they just acquired. So I'm a little worried about playing time this year, and I kind of understand why he's being so underdrafted. But, I mean, mainly with him, I think it's playing time. I, I love the talent. I think that he could start right away and be a solid third-base starter. And I think it's interesting that they didn't trade him. There's a lot of trade rumors with the Yankees. They were looking to do a lot all offseason, and they balked at trading him pretty much all offseason. So they do like him, but I'm just worried about playing time. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um when we're looking at a pitcher here, we're going to kind of jump around now. We got Amir Garrett of the Cincinnati Reds coming off a absolutely horrific season. Horrific. He started out, he had like three, four good starts. Everyone was all on board, and then everything just unraveled. He's the 255th pitcher off the board, 579. So basically undrafted everywhere you look. But he's come on and pitched really, really well to start the spring. Do you have any desire to give him another chance in deep leagues, or is this just like wait and see? He's definitely a guy I'd wait and see on, but definitely put him on your radar. Um, super talented lefty. I mean, he has all the talent in the world. It's just putting it together. There is a lot of young pitchers uh, fighting for the fifth spot. I know Stevenson's fighting for it. He's another intriguing arm for the Reds. So. He's just a guy to keep an eye on, and mainly he does have to win a spot. But if he does win that number five starting spot for the Reds, I, you know, he's worth a, a flyer in a deep league. Now, this is a guy that I've been jumping on board with all over the place for the Chicago Cubs. And we mentioned with Jason Kipnis, playing concerns are a serious problem, but he, just like Kipnis, is making it very, very difficult for uh, Joe Madden to sit him down, I'm talking Ian Happ, and he's moved up to the 14th second baseman off the board, 131 overall. And when we're talking spring stats, four homers, eight ribbies, two stolen bases, hitting 391, doing everything we want him to do. What's your outlook on Happ this year? He's definitely a guy, if you want to go upside at the second base position, he has all the upside in the world. Uh, obviously, with really any cup besides Rizzo and Bryant, you're worried about playing time. But I think he can earn a spot um, just because, obviously, his flexibility, a lot like Kipnis. I think they'll be more willing to sit Hayward and Zobris this season than they were in the past just because you've kind of seen them have a down year last year. Obviously, Hayward can't really hit to begin with, but you really saw Zobris fall off last year, and I would not be shocked to see them let him go off the young guys, even with uh, Baez and Hap. I'm a little higher on them than I think a lot of people. I think the playing time will be there. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how that all plays out. But um, I, I think he'll get some just because of his, his flexibility there, but how much is the, the real question. Yeah. Um, let's go to a guy that coming off a great season for the Kansas City Royals, Whit Merrifield, currently the sixth second baseman off the board, about 74 overall. And he's kind of controversial. You either love him or you hate him. It seems like everyone goes, no, how can you take Whit so early? Murphy and others. Or it's like, no, I want Whit because he's going to steal bases and do the things we need. He's hitting 500 on the spring, 14 for 28, which is obviously pretty darn good. And he's got a couple homers, and more importantly, he's got uh, uh, one stolen base. At least he's running. But hitting 500, what's your thoughts on Witt this year? It's funny because Witt may be the most talked about guy in the fantasy front office. I remember about December and January, right when the drafts starting to come out, there were drafts where he's going in the 50s and 60s. So uh, a lot of hate, but he's kind of come down a lot. 
And for us, we kind of we have him ranked at second baseman number ten. Uh, just in general, the, the fantasy front office is a little lower on wit, but it does help that they signed Moose. We were a little worried about his um, protection in the lineup because that it was pretty much him and Perez for a long time. But now they have Moose. Uh, they added Duda, so he's a very intriguing option just because it's still so many bases and he a late bloomer for sure. But having such a strong spring makes him kind of be. A little more of a for real candidate. Um, I'm just curious, where would you take him personally? I I'm one of the guys that I'm not on the Whit Merrifield bandwagon. Like if he falls to say I don't know the eighth or ninth, like after the Canoes of the world, I yeah. can look at him. But I'm trusting a lot more stability at that point because where you have to take him, he needs to produce, and I just don't believe it yet. Especially given, like you said, Moose coming back is tremendous in that theory. But I was terrified when it was just Sally Perez sitting there. That <laughs> wasn't oh, yeah. doing it for me. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that's my concern. A big thing of wit is that I'd rather wait a couple um, – not really a couple rounds, but maybe 20 or so picks and get Hap. I like Hap a lot better. Yeah. I, and, love, I would definitely rather have Hap. And especially in the Cubs lineup. For us, we kind of figured out we have him as about second base, 8 to 10, kind of maybe the 115, 120 range. So pretty much none of us in the uh, – Fancy front office is going to get him in any drafts, but we have, we're a little low on him too. Well, it's like I know a guy that some people either love or hate. I'd almost rather have Alzi Albies, uh, yeah. pick 124 instead of yeah. Wood at 74. Oh. Um, I I would debate gambling on Rubio Door, even though I haven't really jumped in that pond yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but like said, Johnny VR at 175, I'd rather take that gamble type thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's where I'm looking at. With it's not that Wick can't do it, and maybe if he does it this year, okay, I'll get on the bandwagon next year. But I kind of have to get this proven to me, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, let's talk about a stud, or at least on paper, a stud. He's reported to be in the bigs April 13th because that's when the Braves get another day, uh, year of eligibility without you know paying him a fortune. <laughs> 27th outfielder off the board, about 110th pick overall, which is surprising because he's kind of been around that 110, 120 all year. Yeah. I expected him to just skyrocket, and he really hasn't. But I think as these drafts continue to pick up, we might see something because he's hitting 419 this spring with the homer, and the part that gets my attention big time, so he's going to strike out a lot. People need to understand he's young, he's going to strike out. But four stolen bases already. That yeah. is big to me, really big. Ronald Acuna, if you didn't figure out now, that's who we're talking about. Um, a, do you have any shares of him yet? And B, do you plan on it? So the problem is I'm in a lot of leagues with Keith Farnsworth. And um, he takes yeah, him. He kind of ruins things for people. Yeah. And yeah. so I was a little bit of a late bloomer on him. And I finally come around just seeing him in spring training, seeing him live. Um, he's maintaining what he did in the fall league. Uh, I got to see him once out in the fall. He got here in Arizona, too. He is tremendous. He is going to be a superstar. Um, at 110, I love that. I'm taking him all day at 110. I'd be comfortable taking him in the 70s and 80s, too. I mean, it's especially it depends on your league format. If you're in a head-to-head league, I mean, Okuna is a guy I'd maybe even consider taking low 70s, high 60s earlier. I mean, really depends on your league format. Obviously, on rotisserie, you might be a little further back, but I – I'm really on Acuna this year. Yeah, I, I can't wait to watch him. I don't have any pieces yet, and 
maybe I'll get lucky and just say, screw it. I'm going to take him early like Keith does, but <laughs> I never seem to get him around the time I'm targeting him because I can't bring myself to do it, even though I know I need to do it type yeah. thing. This yeah. kid's going to be special. Um, let's talk about an interesting play. This kind of came out of nowhere, and he's been very productive this spring. Um, he had a, a big year a couple years ago, got paid, disappeared. But Colton Wong of the uh, St. Louis Cardinals is the 29th second baseman off the board, going about 367 overall. And they're giving him a – it's his job now. They were kind of dancing him around the last couple of years, but this is his job. Now, you gotta you got to hear me out, though. He's hitting a buck 36, obviously not ideal. But the fact he's been on base like five times, he has six stolen bases. He's running and running a lot. You're getting him super late at the middle infield position. So I, I doubt he's even your starting second baseman. So super late, yeah. he gets to you 20-plus bases, and I don't see that average being that bad. He can hit better than that. He's probably at least a 250-type guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, to me, he's a lot like a Johnny VR maybe. I don't know. What's your thoughts on Colton Wong? So I was at, I was actually really surprised to see him on this list. Um, <laughs> you know, but the nice thing is, so Carpenter has a shoulder issue or a back issue right now, I forgot, but they said he's going to play first all year. So you don't have to worry about him going back to second or anything. And there truly is no one at that position. Um, they do have Gorko who can play second base or starting third baseman right now. So the bats are going to be there for Wong. Um, it's been a while since we've seen him hit consistently, but if he is committed to becoming a speed guy, he may be a great speed flyer. Um, obviously, second base is a weird position. I mean, it's Very not weird. bad, but it's not great either. So as a deep flyer, yeah, he's interesting. Um, for me personally, because late in the drafts, I've been taking pretty much every share of Jason Kipnis. Super late. That's like my backup middle infield guy. But if you're if you want keep stolen bases down in the trap, that's definitely something I would didn't think about. But that is a really intriguing option. Yeah, and that's why I put him on the list because yeah. it was kind of out of nowhere. I was kind of looking at the stats, thinking, okay, who's who? I, you've heard everyone's talking Kipnis, like he's hit like four homers in a row type thing. But I, I was looking at him and I, did, I just hit, okay, sort stolen bases and. Colton Wong's right on top. I'm like, what? <laughs> Where did this come from? <laughs> um, and well, yeah. so that's, it at least has to be monitored. It's like I, I remember I've told people, and you probably feel similarly or maybe you feel different, but, you know, spring training, take it with a grain of salt. But yeah. little things to me, like, hey, they're running a lot with this guy, that gets my attention because that's something we did not see before. So let's yeah. keep an eye on that. All right. We're going to do two pitchers, and we'll move to the outfield here. But uh, a guy that's been just – Everybody thought the world of him in the minors has not figured it out in the majors. Going 156th pitcher overall, uh, 375th overall in the draft. For the Pirates, is Tyler Glass now. Everybody's talking about velocity this. It's high. He's bringing it. So on and so forth. But with Glass now, it's been a lot of control issues for him for the most part. Mm-hmm. But um, 13 strikeouts in uh, seven and two-thirds innings. He has given up 12 hits and 10 earned runs. So some things haven't changed. But the velocity's there, and he's getting a lot of strikeouts. Are you thinking about going back to Glasnow, or do you just kind of say, no, not anymore? He's a tough guy, and I noticed a lot of the dynasty leagues, he's just getting flat-out cut. So he is a guy who's intriguing because his strikeouts are there. Even last year was a disaster at the major league level, but his strikeouts were there. He had over 10K per nine. Uh, he's focusing on throwing strikes, and I think that's why the hits are up. Uh but it's kind of intriguing because he's going to move to the bullpen. 
And what I noticed last year, when you watch a couple of his starts, he's the kind of guy, he gets in trouble, and then he just kind of glides stuff down the middle. And I'm interested to see in a shorter role if he can just go out and air it out. Um, you know, in some starts, he was throwing 93, 94 consistently. He's a guy who can touch 98, being 6'6", six, six, or 6'7". Uh, he's an intriguing guy. If he's cut in a dynasty league, he's worth a flyer just because he has all the talent in the world. But he's not a guy I would target. He's not a guy I would be really have on my radar unless you're in a dynasty league. But Yeah, and the part you mentioned I'm really trying to look forward to is can he be like that next Davinsky type where it's going to be one yeah. trip through the rotate through the lineup and see what happens. That, that gets my attention. Um, last guy I want to mention for the St. Louis Cardinals, everyone talks Luke Weaver, this Luke Weaver, that and yeah, rightfully so, but Jack Flaherty, 148th pitcher off the board, 360. This is a late round target of mine these days. Um, I was big on him last year. didn't really make it happen, but what I've, what I've noticed and from talking to other Cardinals people, they really like the adjustments he's made. He's, he's showing a lot to them. 12 Ks and eight innings pitch so far, far a 207 average. It's been more of a control thing and a couple of big knocks, but he does look good. And he looks like he might have a spot in this rotation, especially with miles. Mikolas struggling might be even easier for him. Do you, uh, what's your opinion on Flaherty? So it's either going to be him or Mikolas for the rotation spot. And I'm kind of rooting for Flaherty just because he has more upside. Uh, he's an intriguing option, but he's another guy that, I would not be shocked if he starts to gear down in the minors um, and they get Mikolas at least a start. So I'm not super high on him just because the spot, you know, the roster spot and the rotation isn't for sure given. But he's an interesting kind of like a long-term guy because I think he could be a staple along with Weaver in that rotation for a long time. And especially they have um, – obviously if Wainwright, there's a lot of injury risk. Obviously if Mikolas, I think – the scenario I could see happening is Mikolas gets the um, gets uh, on the opening day roster, but I'm not huge on him. I think Flaherty could be in that rotation once May hits. So, guy, keep yeah, an eye. Yeah, he's definitely a guy to keep an eye. Deeply, deep league type stuff. I could uh, see intriguing. We take this brief break in the always pressing PGA DFS podcast to talk to you about RotoWare, one of the greatest shirts in fantasy sports. They have DFS shirts, fantasy season long, all kinds of great shirts. They're the best quality shirts in the industry. No other brand can compete with RotoWare in terms of quality, premium blend fabric, super soft, comfortable, athletic fit shirts, specialized printing process, designed as part of the shirt, literally dyed bleached into the fabric, no thick ink. It's ridiculous the amount of options you can find, over 30 different designs. Fantasy football, baseball, hockey, basketball, DFS, they keep coming out with more and more and more stuff. Men's, women's, kids, you name it, they've got it. There's lots of buzz kicking up in the fantasy industry about it. People are wearing these shirts. They're representing the shirts. They are great quality shirts. And you can have one too. You can have more than one, as many as you want. Just use the promo code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, DGENS, for 20% off your order. Go to rotoware.com. Or go to at RotoWare on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out what they have. They're giving away free shirts all the time on Twitter. But when you go to purchase, use the code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, for 20% off your order. Now back to the always pressing PGA TFS podcast. All right. Let's move on to a deeper dive into the outfield. We did 1 through 30 a couple episodes back. Uh, Todd is going to help me go 31 through 40, 41 through 50, and then deep flyers to really – Get your late round, uh, you know, power speed type targets there. We'll go 31 through 40 right now. ADP, as always, NFBC from February 1st till now. 
goes Marwin Gonzalez, Inder Enciarte, Eddie Rosario, Ian Happ, who we've already talked about, and I think we're good on him, Eduardo Nunez, Manny Margot, Adam Jones, Trey Mancini, Gregory Polanco, and no more Mazzara. The first thing I think of is when I read names like that, I'm like, that's 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 actually a pretty nice group of guys, and it's still you know 31 through 40, so that's telling you it's yeah. deep, deeper. Um, I'm going to skip Marwin Gonzalez uh, just for the fact he's so multi-position eligible that you either you have him because he's going to play shortstop for you most likely or maybe the outfield. But I want to get your opinion on Ender and Ciarte. Leading off in Atlanta, better offense than most people think, um, and he can steal like crazy. So what's your thoughts on Ender this year? The thing of guys like Enciarte, it just kind of depends on your roster construction. If you're the kind of guy who went with kind of the big power bats in the beginning, he'd be a great guy in this range. He's going to hit 300. He's going to have a ton of runs at because uh, he hits in front of the lineup. Uh, you know, he's a guy, he usually is a lock for 20 steals. So he's really a roster uh, construction guy. You know, if you got your if you got your steals in the early round, um, you know, I think you're fine. But he... He's a perfect guy to pair with power bats. I know there's one league where, like, I had Hopkins, uh, Hoskins, Rizzo early, and then I forgot the other. I was a power third baseman. Oh, Shaw, and then that was a guy I targeted in CRT in the middle rounds just because he's the perfect fit on base guy, average guy, stolen bases. So it's really a roster fit with him. Yeah, because you know, like you said, you're getting him for his steals. In 2014, he had 19. 2015, 21, 2016, 16, then 22. And if you go farther back in the minors, he had a 43 stolen base season at one point in time. So the, the, that's there, like you said. Now, the part that surprised me last year, and maybe it's because of the right field and in a new ballpark in Atlanta, he didn't have 11 home runs this year, which definitely helps his ante. He had 93 runs scored. Do you think that power is legit? Because prior to that, he was six, four, three, nothing major at all. I think he can be a 10 home run guy just because that ballpark is beautiful for lefties. And I think, yeah, I think he's going to be a 10 home run guy. He plays a full season. There's a lot of guys in baseball that went from being a three, four home run guy to a 10 home run guy, baseballs or whatever you want to blame on that. But I think it's consistent with him. You know, the thing with Inciarte, he's just a really good natural hitter. So I think a little bit of the pop is going to be there. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. Let's talk about, Number 33 in the outfield, 122nd overall pick for the Minnesota Twins, coming off a breakout campaign for the Twinkies. Uh, he hit 290 with 27 home runs, 79 runs scored, 78 rubies, 9 stolen bases, only struck out 18% of the time, which is rather low for him, especially in his time in the bigs, which I think is a big sign of things to come. What's your thoughts on Eddie Rosario? Uh, he's definitely the guy who gets lost in that mix for the Twins. Obviously, everyone talks about Buxton, but... He just had a really good season. I love guys with low strikeout percentages, especially with the 26, 27 homers last year. Uh, I think it's really good value. I think it's it's not uh, – it's just – at 33, it seems like a steal, but the guys ahead of him, I don't know who I would um, kind of bump down for him, but I, I really like Rosario at 33. He's a guy who I think is going to fall in a lot of drafts too. Um, if you're in a league, that may not be as um, – kind of on the balls NFBC is he's going to be a guy and get later in drafts. So I Rosario is a guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's just do a little, would you rather uh, you can go Yasiel Puig at 111 or Eddie Rosario at 122. I would probably go Rosario just because of um, 
Puig did steal a little bit more bases than um, usual, but that outfield's really crowded. I mean, you're one slump away from getting just lost, and it's Puig. He's not the most consistent guy in the world. So I would go Rosario. I like it. And then one other one, uh, Rosario at 122 or Ryan Braun at 115. And I would go Rosario too. It's just Braun the last couple of years, the injuries are there. And it's hard to blame a guy for being injury prone. It's hard to predict injuries. But when you're entering the age 34 season, and especially with the Brewers too, that's another situation. They have a lot of bats with Santana there, uh, Thames. I like Aguilar too. I wish he would be able to get a bat. Um, yeah, I would still go Rosario. I mean, Rosario is going to be an everyday guy for the Twins, so I like him a lot. Well, I like it. That's why we're doing these little <laughs> debates here. Um, let's go to the 36th outfielder off the board, Manny Margot of the San Diego Padres. This guy I have a little bit of a man crush on, some would say. Um, <laughs> you get him, like I said, 36th off the board outfield, 140, 141 overall, and I still think that you might want to go a little sooner on him. To me, it seems like Leeson – quote unquote the experts at the TGFBI or whatever we call it. He seems to be going earlier than that. Um, two sixty three average last year, struck out twenty percent, not ideal obviously, but man, thirteen homers, seventeen steals, and I think the steals can be even better. I think the power is still developing with this guy. We're talking maybe fifteen, twenty five type stuff or better maybe eventually. Dynasty for sure. What's your yeah. thoughts on Manny McGard this year at least? Yeah, like I know, like you said, I love him in a dynasty league. Uh, he's a guy who's gonna steal bases with power upside, and it remains to be seen if the power is gonna come this year. Um, I saw a lot of things in the second half of last year. He worked really hard on improving his uh, launch angle, and that was, you know, his words. So uh, he's intriguing just because he stole 17 bases last year. I think a full season at the majors, he's gonna be their everyday center fielder. He's going to steal 25 bases, and he has a ton of power upside. I really like Margo at that price, too. You know, a lot of thing now is you're going to be able to get power easily, and it's just the stolen base guys. If you have a for-sure guy who wants to steal bases and can't steal bases, you got to love that in Margo. How high would you go on Margo? Like I said, he's going about 140 now. How high would you go? Now, a lot of it depends. I would take him oh, over in so safety. Yeah, I can yeah. do that. Um, a lot of it, too, depends on, you know, if you need average, then you would probably go in Cerrote. But I like Margot just because of his upside. You know, he's going to easily surpass a home run since Cerrote will have, and he's going to steal around the same amount of bases. So really your only hit's going to be coming a little bit of runs and obviously at average or on-base percentage. But I like I would take the risk on Margot around the same price. I mean, I have to remember the Padres signed one of the best offensive talents on the free agent markets this year. So they have Eric yeah. Cosmer. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just can't believe that move still happened. Um, let's go to the 37th outfielder off the board. To me, I always laugh when I see Adam Jones's name, but it's just Mr. Consistency. When you look at his season-to-season logs, it's 25 plus home runs. Yeah, you know, 85 plus runs scored, 85 usually 90 plus RBIs. Stolen bases are down. That's been down since 2013, so you're not really planning on that anymore. And he's going to hit you 270-plus, usually 280-plus. This is as consistent as it comes in the outfield, at least at this point in the draft, obviously. Do you still have a, you know, I'll take Adam Jones feelings, or is he kind of off the radar now? Um, you know, he's just a guy, obviously in this range, I love Margo, and he's just a guy who kind of gets forgotten. But it's he's consistent. He's going to give you your 25 homers. He's going to give you your 80 RBIs. Um He'll be okay in average department on base, a little lower than you'd like. Um, 
but he's just a guy who gets hurt, doesn't steal bases anymore from the outfield position. And I think that's what really hurts him. That's why people kind of fade him as much as they do now. But he, yeah, he is consistent. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about his teammate who I can't get a straight answer. If he's actually going to get the playing time, I thought he was going to get. Some people don't think he is. If he does, it's definitely late round power, 20, 25 plus home run upside. Yeah. But Trey Mancini, you know, hit 293 that last year. And I'm, I don't know if that can be for real, but you look at his minor numbers and he hit great in the minors, yeah. but that power is for real. Uh, what's your thoughts on Mancini? To me, if he plays every day, this is a steal. Yeah, and that's the main thing. Is he going to play every day? And, you know, the Orioles are one of the more weird teams in baseball. It doesn't make sense when, yeah, you're paying uh, Chris Davis and Trumbo a ton of money, but, I mean, Trey's way better. I mean, obviously he is. So it's just you have a lot of highly paid guys in front of him in the same positions, but – and obviously, a guy I like later in drafts, Austin Hayes, is probably going to come up after the Super 2 cutoff. So you got to be a little worried about a bats. And obviously, it kind of came out of nowhere last year. But I'm not huge on him at this price, but I'm not entirely down on him either. Yeah, and to me, it feels like he's falling more lately. Yeah. So you're going to be able to get him at a better value. So yeah. definitely someone to at least keep an eye on and research before you click that button. Um, let's talk the 39th outfielder in this guy. Talk about the hype train getting derailed. But um, everybody wanted to be Gregory Polanco at one point in time, and now it's the question is, can he be close to Gregory Polanco anymore? And you know, I know Keith did a, a breakdown on him, and it was very intriguing as always. But I just I used to buy into Greg every year, and I just don't know if I can anymore. What's your thoughts on Polanco? The good news of Polanco is that he's healthy now. He's entering the season fully healthy. Uh, last year, he missed time with a knee injury. Um, he had a little bit of quad issue, and then at the end of the year, his shoulder caused him to miss games. So it was a little bit of everything. Um, he's hitting the ball really well in spring training. He has two homers already, hit one today. Uh, and that's what you like to see. I love Polanco at this price just because I think he he's a high upside guy. And I'm falling a little bit for the post-hype um, on him. Actually, on the me and uh, Keith have a little bet going. Uh, Adam Eden against Polanco, and I pick Polanco. So I think that's our next guy on the list. But yeah, I'm a little higher than most on Polanco. You, I'm still intrigued by the upside, but he's a guy, a lot of nagging injuries and just a lot of deep slumps. He's very prone to really bad slumps. He's a guy who can look like one of the best hitters in baseball for a week, and the next week he's over 18. So. Uh, Polanco or Mancini? I would probably take Polanco. Polanco or Adam Jones? I would take Polanco still. Yeah. Polanco or Manny Margot? It's probably my line. I would probably go Polanco over Margot, actually. But it's just with Polanco, you've seen him do every aspect of the game that you want to see. He's had the 25 homer season. He's had the one year we stole 28 bases, I believe, 27 maybe. Um, it's just putting it all together. And I, I think this could be the year he's entering healthy. He's going to be right in the middle of the lineup next to Josh Bell. So I'm, I'm way higher on Polanco than most people, but he's kind of my, um, my ride or die this year. Well, in, you mentioned it. I looked back and I actually do have him on a team or two. So mm-hmm. I guess I can't say I'm all, because <laughs> like you said, is the upside is tremendous. We know yeah. the talent level that he has. It's just, can he stay healthy? Can he yeah. put it together? And like you said, at this point in the draft, he could produce, you know, you know to like top 20 outfielder upside eventually. Yeah. So let's see how that goes. Let's go to number 40 outfielder overall, 151. Nomar Mazzara of the Texas Rangers. 
Talk about a guy with some pop in his bat um, and hit in the middle of that lineup around the likes of Joey Gallo. He's got back-to-back 20 home run seasons in the bigs and 101 RBIs last year, which is tremendous. I think, you know, this could be value too, especially if you need power. I think he's got more than 20 home run power, but that's just me. What's your thoughts on Nomar Mazzara? The way I kind of view Mazzara is he's going to give you the same consistency, uh, consistency that Adam Jones gives you, but he has more upside. And that's yeah. what I'm, I like Mazzara. I really like him at this price. Um, I would take him over Adam Jones, but definitely at the 40 range for outfielders, that's where I have him. So I think it's pretty justified where he's at. But, you know, he's a guy who's going to be in the middle of that lineup, and he's going to give you Adam Jones consistency with upside. Uh, before we go to the next 10 outfielders, I just got a question because guys like Polanco and Mazzara, I'd be fine with them being like my second and third outfielder possibly on yeah. a team or depending on how you set up your infield, heck, if they're my first two, that means my infield probably looks pretty good or my starting pitchers do. Um, we're seeing more and more five outfield leagues, and the outfield may be deep, but it also gets kind of really, really murky the later we go. How do you approach building a five outfield roster? My main thing is what I've been doing a lot in drafts. Um, mostly it depends how deep the league is, but I like having at least one anchor that you can count on in the outfield. And um, so, for example, and the league I'm in with Keith, Jeremy, all the front office guys, um, I have McCutcheon, Upton, and oh, crap, it? But mainly McCutcheon, Upton are like my main two anchors for the league. And then I have about five or six guys that I like kind of in a platoon setting. So I have Aaron Hicks, uh, Gregory Polanco, Steven Souza, who kills righties. So it's kind of, I would like to have one or two of the higher guys. And obviously if you're redraft, that's a dynasty league. So you kind of get what you got, but in a, in a redraft league, I would like to go one outfielder early on to stabilize it. And then kind of really attack the middle, middle range. I have a lot of depth. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's why I, I just wanted to bring it up. Cause some people don't understand if you're playing a five outfield league, you have to start five outfielders. Yeah. You need to get something early. Cause if you try to play that waiting game, you're going to be, you're going to be hoping you get Gregory Polanco and no more Mazzaro. Like, yeah. that's what you're hoping for. It, it gets real bad here. Now, let's talk about it. 41 through 50, Adam Eaton, Kevin Kiermeyer, Jay Bruce, Kyle Schwarber, Adam Duvall, Brett Gardner, Steven Souza Jr., Bradley Zimmer, Eric Thames, and Delino DeShields Jr. Now, these aren't horrible players, just not the stable of your outfield. Um, Adam Eaton, you mentioned how you have a bet with Eaton versus Polanco. You are on the Polanco side of things. We know Eaton coming off a very, very bad injury that made him miss majority of the season last year in Washington. And honestly, he doesn't have a timetable to return quite yet in the spring, let alone start of the season. There's a lot of question marks with Adam Eaton. How are you approaching him this year? Yeah, he's a guy, obviously a speed guy, coming off a torn ACL, a little worrisome. Um, you know, Michael Taylor is a guy who flashes, and obviously with Rubbles coming up, um, there could be some competition in that outfield. And I'm not super high on Adam Eaton just because best case scenario, maybe he hits you 10 homers. But coming off the torn ACL, I can imagine them being a little easier on his playing time. And you just got to wonder, is he going to be able to steal bases at the clip Bingo. that he has in the past? You know, And he's getting older. I I'm not sure, but I believe he's 29 or 30. So I'm, I'm very low on Adam Eaton. Um, just because you're banking on stolen bases, I don't know if that's a safe bet for him. No, that's what terrifies me is you're drafting him, like you said, for steals. And 
coming off an, a torn ACL, it usually limits things like running. So yeah. <laughs> that, that, that'll make, <laughs> I'm really curious. And, and as timid as they are with him right now, the one report I heard, I think it was Friday, is, oh, he's a veteran, so he only needs like 20 at-bats. Come on, guys. He missed almost a whole yeah. season. He's not just missing spring training. He's missing like a whole yeah. year of baseball. Yeah. Let's get real here. But uh, let's move on to number 42 in this one. I love this guy, but again, he's always a, seems to get banged up somewhere or another. He's going 157 overall, the 42nd outfielder off the board, Kevin Kiermaier of the Tampa Bay Rays. Sure, the lineup isn't quite what it once was there in yeah. Tampa Bay, but it's still better than the Marlins. Um, <laughs> this guy, this is your power-speed combo, especially the speed, hits for good average. I think this he's got kind of that upside thing too if he plays a full season, but what's your thoughts on Kiermaier? He's definitely a guy I like more than Eaton, and he's a guy who you can get way cheaper than Ender Inciarte and kind of have the same value. And that's kind of why I like Inciarte at his price, maybe a little lower, but I don't end up with any shares of him because you have guys like Kiermaier, even having Eaton slips later in draft. So I'm high on Kiermaier too. He's going to give you stolen bases. He's a great average guy. Um, obviously, you don't have to worry about playing time. He's going to be their everyday center fielder, tremendous defender. So I love Kiermaier at this price, especially if you need stolen bases. Yeah, I like him a lot. That's such a great comp there, and it kind of shows how you can wait. You got NCR going 122, Kiermaier 157, depending on your league. That's two rounds in a 15-teamer. Yeah. Um, that that definitely gives you some wiggle room to do some things. So I think that's a great comp because they are pretty darn similar, but the upside sits with Kiermaier, so I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, 43rd outfielder off the board, 160-ish overall. Uh, we talked Adam Jones' consistency. Here's more consistency for you. Might not have the batting average that Adam Jones has, but he has like a lot more power than Adam Jones has. I'm talking Jay Bruce going back to the New York Mets, and literally it's just look at his end of year stats. If he's a roto guy, he's your guy. Head-to-head weekly, stressful. Um, but the, I, It's interesting, but the other thing is it's everyone's narrative this year that he's Mr. Consistency, take him late for power. So mm-hmm. everyone's jumping on him. So what's your thoughts on Bruce? Yeah, he's actually going a little higher than I thought he would be going. Um, but definitely around the late 40s, I'd put him more for outfielders. But he's extremely consistent. Obviously, better in uh, rotisserie leagues, roto leagues. Um, he's <laughs> a pain to own in, um, in head-to-head leagues, obviously. But, you know, he's a guy – he's always had a pretty solid on-base percentage. You know, if you're in an on-base percentage league, he's not going to kill you as much as the average league. And uh, I play most – I mostly play on base percentage leagues. So he's a guy that I really, really like this year. I like to return to the Mets too. So yeah, Bruce in the forties is perfect. Um, obviously not the super upside guy. Cause he's really just a power only guy, but at this price, yeah. You know, a lot of these guys in the forties are really intriguing. All right, let's go to the Chicago Cubs, 44th outfielder, 170-ish overall. A guy that lost half his body size, it seems like. And as a Giants fan, I've witnessed people do this thing, Panda, and it didn't work. So um, Kyle Schwarber, more power to you, buddy. I hope it works for you. What's your thoughts on him? Because he let everyone down last year, but everyone's raving about him this year because he lost weight. You know, it, it's great that you know he's in shape. And it's going to help his durability, but I don't know if he's a good hitter. Honestly, you know, he, he was a guy who in the past, you know, sold out for power. And, you know, when he was at a bigger build, like kind of made sense, you know, big guy, power hitter, uh, maybe turns into a Jay Bruce kind of guy. But I'm kind of curious him. I mean, he lost a ton of weight. He's skinny. I mean, it, 
he looks like a speed guy now and it's kind of what is he gonna do you know and at this point there's a lot of guys that I love in the 40s and honestly I'm gonna have no shares of Schwarber just because it's so much unknown yep I agree there's a lot of question marks and let alone playing time it's yeah. like the Cubs have so many outside of like Bryant Rizzo and Wilson Contreras it is up for grabs in the, on that team. Yeah, so that's yeah. six positions or five positions where you got question marks. That's kind of terrifying when it comes to the fantasy game. Yeah. Um, let's go to Adam Duvall of the Cincinnati Reds. Back-to-back big, big power seasons. Power seems legit. Average. It just seems like you're going to get 240. You're going to get 30-plus homers. And you're getting them mid to late 40s outfielder overall. What's your thoughts on Duvall? Um, you know, he's a guy who's pretty much Jay Bruce, but I love him in that ballpark. And obviously, there is some potential he gets traded this season just because the Reds have a lot of young, talented players coming up, especially if Winkler almost up. And um, But I really like Duvall. I like him at the price. Kind of the same thing of Jay Bruce in my eyes. So, Okay, I'm going to group these next two together because to me it's like one's much older. He's going to be 35 later this year. And then you have Steven Tuzza Jr. So at the 46, you have Brent Gardner. At 47, you have Steven Souza Jr. To me, they're both kind of okay power guys with a lot of upside and speed department. How do you view these two or compare these two? Um, obviously, a little biased, but I'm a little higher on Souza Jr. And I I just worry about the Yankees outfield is how are they all going to play? And I, I'm really high on Aaron Hicks. And yeah, I love Hicks. Obviously, Stanton and Judge aren't going anywhere. I think Sanchez might still time at DH, too. So it's kind of where are those guys going to play? I mean, Ellsbury, Gardner, they were all productive last year, Hicks. So with Souza, he's the everyday left fielder for the Diamondbacks, and he's a guy who stole 16 bases. Um, I think he's going to be a 25 home run guy. I think they'll stay, and then the base, stolen bases still be around 15, maybe 20 upside. So I'm higher on Sousa just because I know he's going to play every day. And I like him in that lineup. He's going to hit fifth. So right in the heart of that order, he's going to hit right behind Lamb. So I, I'm high on Sousa. No, so I, I'm, with, I, yeah. I'm with you on that too. Like Gardner, I just can't wrap my head around because I'm afraid of that playing time as well. And yeah. he's getting old. Like he's just – eventually those legs stop stealing bases. It just happens. So I'm a little terrified about that. Let's go to a guy that some people are he's – on, he's on radars, let's put it that way, and he's a big-time speed guy, 48th outfielder off the board, 195, Bradley Zimmer of the Cleveland Indians, coming off an 18-steal season in the bigs. If you combine his minor league numbers, 27 steals in 134 games. Let's put a full season under that belt, and things get good. The strikeout rate is terrifying, yeah. and he's around 30%, which that does not look good. But, uh, like, all the projection sites have him 23, 28, 28, 25 stolen bases. At this point in the draft, is Bradley Zimmer a guy you're looking at? At this point, he's a guy I would, in a one-year redraft league, I'm taking Souza over him. But he's a guy, I like Zimmer more than DeShields, who I, we'll get to in a second. But the thing with Zimmer, I, I would bet that I think he steals 30 bases this year. He's going to be an everyday player, tremendous defender, um, in a dynasty league, he's really intriguing because he's, he's a 6'4 guy, and he may be one of the fastest guys in baseball, just a freak athlete. But the hit the hit tool is just not there yet. There's going to be a learning curve. Uh, last year, had a really bad slump. I believe over the last month or two of the season, he was hitting around 200. Um, he's a guy that if you need stolen bases, 
I would target him late just because he does have upside as a hitter. You know, obviously with the younger guy, it'll be a second year in the majors, but uh, he's a guy late in drafts. If I messed up and think it's stolen bases early in the draft, I love Zimmer at this point, but if you're good on stolen bases, I kind of let him slip. We'll come back to number 40. Now we'll go straight to 50. You mentioned Delano Shields Jr. Big time yeah. speed stuff. He's going to be the everyday guy leading off likely in Texas playing center field. What is it that makes you like Zimmer more than the Shields? I just think Zimmer has more potential for a pop. And I think they'll both be pretty similar in the batting average department. And it's just, I like the pop potential from Zimmer. Um, there's a lot to dream on on him where the Shields, there's not going to be a ton of pop, but maybe the stolen bases will be a little more consistent. Um, he stole 29 bases pretty much back to back years. And now he's going to be the everyday center fielder. So. You know, there's a ton of stolen base upside. So at this point in the draft, it always depends on kind of what your roster is constructed like. Um, if you really, really need stolen bases, just go get the shields. But if you're kind of in the middle ground, I like Zimmer more. Yeah, I, I, can, yeah. I can find that. Uh, number 49, who we did skip over, Eric Thames of the Milwaukee Brewers. He was just a machine to start the year. Slowed down a bit. He Overall, still a very, very productive first season in the bigs. Now with all the moves they've made, it's – how often is he going to play? Yeah. Um, and I obviously that has a lot to do with how far he's dropped in drafts. I'm staying away from him just because I don't have any clue when and how often he's going to play. But what's your thoughts on Eric Thames? Yeah, and it's a shame kind of a situation right now. Um, obviously, for fantasy owners, you wish the Brewers would trade one of their guys just to clear everything up. Um, at 50, I think this is a little too early for him. There's some outfielders behind him that I like a lot, and it's just the playing time. You're going to have no clue. You're going to have to check the lineups every day to see if he's playing. And he cooled off a lot in the second half. So at this point, I'm winning take Thames, but a little later maybe. All right, that wraps up 41 through 50. I'm just going to throw out some names. Just give me like a quick Twitter response on how you feel about this player. You don't have to deep dive it at all. <laughs> but um, like at 51, Avisil Garcia coming off a crazy good year, but everyone points to Babbitt. Uh, what's your yeah. thoughts on Garcia? Uh, I like Garcia a lot. Um, he only had 19 homers last year, but he did have a thumb injury in the second half, so maybe there might be more pop. He's not going to hit 330 again, but I think he's a guy, maybe he's a 300 hitter who could have 25 homers. So I love Garcia at this range. At the 55th outfielder, 224, Corey Dickerson, C. Dick, going to the Pirates <laughs> every day at bats. We know the second half struggles, but the power's still legit, so any desire for C. Dick. Um, at this point, he's a guy you consider. He's extremely streaky. So he's going to be a guy you need to ride the wave, and then he could be a guy you end up cutting midseason. But he'll be intriguing. He's going to play every day, so you got to love that. A uh, guy that you said you already like a lot, and so do I. I think he needs to be playing 85 to 90% of the outfield starts for the Yankees. Aaron Hicks, 227 off the board. What are you thinking of him? Do you think they finally just give him the playing times? Because I think Ellsbury's out of the way. I'm not worried about him. But what's your thoughts on Hicks? I think Hicks is going to get a lot, of, a lot of playing time. He, I think he's the best defender too, so he could um, play center for him. And I love Aaron Hicks this year. What he did on a per game basis last year was phenomenal. He has power, he has speed. He's going to do everything for you. So I love Aaron Hicks, and you can get him extremely late in drafts. Sixtieth uh, outfielder off the board, Willie Calhoun for Texas, the rookie, the big time prospect, came up from the Dodgers. Uh, the bat's legit. It's as legit as it comes. Do you have any desire to jump on him at pick 240? Um, this may be a little bit too, maybe a little bit too early for him, 
but he's a really intriguing guy because I think he has the opportunity to play every day if he earns it. Uh, high power guy. You don't know where the average is going to be, and he's not going to steal any bases, unfortunately. So he's an intriguing guy. I have him. He may be kind of like Dickerson, but you know what you're going to get from Dickerson a little bit more since he's more established. So kind of not not too high on Calhoun then. Um, here's one that kind of surprised me with his draft position. The 62nd outfielder off the board, 247 overall, Dexter Fowler of the St. Louis Cardinals. I know he's not a world beater by any means, but we know what we're getting with him, and you're getting him later in a draft. You're talking 15 to 20 homers usually a better average than last year. I think this is kind of one of those more comfortable picks late. Do you have any desire for Dexter Fowler? Oh, at this point, I love Dexter Fowler. Um, I don't understand this draft spot at all. You know, he's he's going to be consistent. You know, he's a guy, especially if you're in a five outfielder league, if you have him as your fifth outfielder, that's awesome. You know, he's going to give you, he's got to give you 10 stolen bases, 15 homers, and he's going to be good averages, play every day. You know, he's a good guy at this range. All right, I, I could keep going down the list, but we don't have to be here all night long. So um, what are some of the deep flyers you're looking at here, like some maybe rookies that are going to come on later in the year or just later in the ADPs outfield-wise that you're looking at to target late in your drafts? So a guy I brought up is uh, Austin Hayes. I think there's a spot for him in that outfield for Baltimore. Probably going to come up after the Super 2 cutoff because the spring hasn't been all that great. But Austin Hayes is a guy I like. Hit, um, I believe, around 30 homers in the Myers last year. Kind of came out of nowhere his season. So he's an intriguing guy, especially in that ballpark in the AL East. Um, another guy I think that, just from a Diamondback perspective, David Peralta is a guy exactly like Dexter Fowler. You know, if you need a fifth outfielder that you know is going to play, um, he's going to give you a really, really good on-base percentage. And he's a 10-steal, 15-homer guy. So David Peralta, if you need a guy, you need a body, he's – perfect he's not gonna hurt you in any position but yeah, um, those probably my two main yeah one yeah because there's one that I, I keep gravitating towards going 345th or so Cameron may have been every day at bats in Miami yeah. the lineup stinks yeah. but that's just too late for what you're getting there um, give me that all day long Carlos Gomez is tempting as he always kills me but at that price tag it still does have upside but then after you go down past that you know maybe Derek Fisher if he gets the everyday job yeah. Um, a name that kind of stands out to me once in a while is Adam Frazier of the Pirates just because he steals yeah. a lot. So that's a super late steals play you can make. I got a question for you because I stare at this guy on the queue every day. No one touches him. He doesn't have a job yet. But if he gets one, he's good for 20-plus homers. Jose Batista. Anybody. I, yeah. I know it's crazy, but where he's going now is 415. He's not drafted in leagues. Yeah. I I'm just worried if he's going to sign or not. Uh, oh, I agree. It's a big risk, but it's like, oh. <laughs> have to get there. With your last pick, I mean, he's a guy. You saw what he did just two years ago. Yeah. And if he, if he's on a team, if he gets to play every day, if some team like the Royals sign him to go play right field or something, he's going to hit 20 homers. You know, he's going to have some upside. So. Yeah, that's kind of the way I look at him. Like, yeah. I'm like, some, if he just gets a job, because they're yeah. not signing him to play on a bench. He's not doing that. So. Tempting, tempting. Yeah. But all right, Todd, that will wrap us up. Uh, great stuff, great stuff. We've got some humidor in, some, some hot spring starts, fantasy baseball outfielders. Um, any final words? Can you, what you got coming down the pipeline you can talk about or anything else you want to plug? 
Um, so obviously you can follow me at Goldie Happens on Twitter, and um, all my work will be posted on the Fantasy Front Office. So that's at Fan Front Office on uh, Twitter, and there you can get all the updates on when our podcast drops. Uh, record we record every Monday night. We try to get them out Tuesday, Wednesday, but definitely subscribe to us too, and um, just you can find all my work on the Fantasy Front Office. Yeah, uh, I retweet a ton of the stuff from their handle. That their stuff's good. Like I'm saying, I'm not just blowing smoke here and I've, I've had keith on a few times about jeremy on and uh your guys stuff's good and it's growing i remember when i had keith on last year like you guys just started out so you yeah. guys are going um definitely moving in the right direction i like seeing it so good stuff as always and uh thanks for joining me man. really appreciate it thanks for having me on no problem everybody this is bench with bubba episode 78 catch you guys next time